Thanks, Nicola. And you're with Midday Report. And time now for the Rural News, joined by Susan Murray. Susan, uh, Hawke's Bay Orchardists are looking for some answers about how their land's going to be protected from future heavy rainfalls. Oh, good afternoon. They are hoping local authorities will outline plans around rebuilding cyclone-damaged stop banks at a community meeting tonight. Local fruit growers president, Bryden Nisbet, says many orchardists have been told they can rebuild, but there will need to be improved flood protection schemes or houses may need to be built higher. He says those attending the meeting at Pukitapu School Hall tonight hope the chief executives of both the Hastings District Council and Hawke's Bay Regional Council will outline plans to lift stop banks and improve drainage. I'm hoping we'll hear something like that, some, you know, some confidence from the council that they've got a good plan in place that they, that they feel will be uh, good enough for us to build back. That's probably what we're, what we're wanting, wanting to hear. So, yeah, this is the first since the zone meeting, so I think pretty quick, actually. It was only announced, what, 10 days ago, or last week, and they've already got a meeting up tonight. So it's pretty quick. Well, that shows me that they do have a plan and they're going to present it. Bryden Nisbet says growers are also waiting to hear details on the second phase of the government's recovery plan, which they expect will be announced this week. He says phase one was financial support to remove silt and debris. Phase two will cover re-establishment and redevelopment of orchards. Though he says many haven't even started the silt removal because they need to know what support is available once the silt work is done. Money or or loans or interest-free loans, just something to help them you know, to, to give them confidence that they that they can build back because uh, they can, you know they won't even be able to buy trees this year. They might not be able to buy trees for another two or three years, and then it's two or three years after that that they'll start making any income. So that's that's what growers are facing at the moment. Bryden Nisbet says issues are appearing between leasees and orchard owners. He says leasees want to start clearing blocks out, but they want to do it in partnership with leasors. Meat processors and exporting companies are getting anxious over the lack of demand for New Zealand lamb in key markets. AgriHQ senior analyst Mel Crode says despite a shorter processing week last week, it was still easy to find slaughter space, showing how quiet things have become. We don't expect that trend is going to pick up any time soon. I think the last few weeks have uh, really been shadowed by a lack of optimism, by the way most of our overseas markets have tracked post-Easter. Prices in those main markets have basically fallen. And Australia's influence is a little bit concerning. And since the start of their free trade agreement with the UK, there's already a lot of Australian lamb on the water to the UK. Australia's large lamb supply this year is definitely putting downward pressure on lamb prices. Uh, and it's also contributing to the overall weakness within China too. So, yeah, not a, not a great start to the winter trade market for lambs this season. Mel Crode says the lower demand has caught some exporters off guard. Typically, we would expect sort of the markets to track sideways from this point, just with uh, Northern Hemisphere summer sort of just denting those consumption rates. But, no, I don't think anyone really picked the downside that we have seen in the last few weeks, particularly into that Chinese market. We've seen quite a lot of money come out um, of asking prices for various lamb cuts. So, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. I think what's balancing that to a certain extent is that we do have relatively tight supplies of lamb at the moment. So it's just sort of reducing our reliance on those markets. Mel Crowd says demand normally picks up around the end of August, September, so hopefully there will be some upward movement in prices then.
Farmers will be the losers under the National Party's plan to push back the final deadline for paying for on-farm emissions by five years. That's according to Massey University's climate change expert Ralph Sims, who says the result of delaying any plan that helps lower global temperatures will mean more floods and droughts. He says New Zealand is already dragging the chain, reducing methane and nitrous oxide emissions. He says they have dropped, but not fast enough. Some farmers are doing a great job. They're using um, better efficiency, more productivity per hectare and therefore less uh, emissions per animal because you're getting more milk or more uh, meat um, per animal. But not all farmers are doing that. So you've got to incentivize the majority of farmers to want to follow the leaders. And they're not going to do that unless they've got a financial incentive to do it. 18 countries have had lower emissions over the last 10, 15 years and are still reducing. Our total emissions have stabilised. We haven't bent the curve. So without agricultural emissions being a key part of that reduction, we're never going to meet our international agreements and therefore the trade will be questioned by some of the large importing organisations such as Nestle and Tesco's, etc. If we don't meet those obligations, then we're going to be missing out there. Dr Sims says New Zealand needs to embrace alternative proteins because the unpalatable truth is animal-based protein production is inefficient and livestock numbers must reduce. Nobody in New Zealand wants that to happen, of course. But um, it's highly likely that it will happen over the next few decades, so we've got to prepare for that. We have been putting money into the Agricultural Greenhouse Gas Research Centre, which has done some great research trying to reduce emissions, but we should be throwing money at that like, like a war effort. Dr Ralph Sims says the money will be well spent researching tools such as methane inhibitors or feeding seaweed to stock, but New Zealand can't wait for those results. It needs to take other action now. Half a dozen fruit growers in central Otago are banding together to develop ways of using fruit that would normally go to waste on their orchards. Two years ago, Central Otago District Council commissioned research showed 8% of fruit produced in the region never left the orchard. Its economic development manager, Nick Larnham, says that has helped coordinate the growers and a number of them and a processor are now trialling processing of product this summer. That's the, the real key to it, especially when we look at, um, say, cherries. Um, there's, it's probably, cherries make up one of the largest sort of quantities of that, that fruit loss, um, just because of the, the, the size and scale that they are here locally. Um, and they all come ripe over a relatively short time period. So uh, the key to really utilising um, some of that waste is, is to try and get it into something that sort of preserves it um, and that can then be made into another product or, or sold over uh, the course of the year. Nick Lanham says a high percentage of central Otago fruit does leave the orchard, but it will be good if this ambitious project can use the fruit that is not harvested. And New Zealand shearers Roland Smith and Leon Samuels are hitting their stride in the UK-based shearing competitions ahead of next week's World Shearing and Wool Handling Championships in Scotland. Roland Smith, who won the world title in 2014 and was runner-up three years ago, won the Open final at the Royal Cornwall Show in Wadebridge in the week at the weekend. Leon Samuels came third. Second place was clinched by Roland Smith's brother Matt, who's shearing for England in the World Event. That's the rural news for today. Koe rā te purungu o te tai whenua.